All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts quest love supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Uh, shall we start? Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Questlove Supreme. I'm your host, Questlove Jenkins. Uh, we got the Supreme family fresh <laughs> off of our fifth anniversary. Can I going? Fresh from the uh, Met Gala. What's up, uh, Unpaid Bill? I was just saying, I was just took off my outfit from Met Gala. Uh, everything's good. It was good. It was fun. <laughs> Where did you go? Oh, you actually went. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was I was Kim's uh uh you know date. I was the man in black. in black. I was a man in black. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine for a second if I actually was? Can you imagine if that was me? Yeah. Like, I think that would have been dope. Dude, you work with Muppets all day. Of course I can imagine that. You could have just borrowed an outfit. That's what's more American <laughs> than the than the Muppets. I will say I've had some great Halloween costumes, care of the costume department at Sesame Street. I was an elephant. Really? I was going to say, are you allowed to borrow like extra costumes if you return it? I'm not sure if allowed is correct word, but yes, I have to procure. Procure snuck like a spare big bird offset. I have not snuck puppets offset. That would get me like, you know, jail time. But I uh, have uh, <laughs> stolen uh, other people's costumes. Oh, Bill, that's dope. For sure. Yeah. It's, we it's, got we got to re-interview you one day, Bill. Yeah, for real. <laughs> hey, you know, I am a, a book of open knowledge. What? I'm a <laughs> open book. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. That's that's fine with me. I'm ready to talk at any time. You tell me when to talk and press, I'll go. Oh, okay. good. Sugar Steve. Right yes. Have you, have you found have you found God yet? Uh, not exactly, <laughs> but I am working on the greatest audio book right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> to tell Steve. Look, okay, I went overboard in the pandemic. I wrote two books, and it's it's held. Steve is losing his hair right now because the book is like thirty chapters. What long. hair? Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't have nothing to do. I was doing summer soul in the day. Be be bored on the farm at night. You start journaling, and somehow got turned into a thirty chapter book or whatever. Listen, you got to live the dream. Word up. Yeah, you should break that joint up. You should break that joint up into an audio book into 30 second snippets and put that shit on Spotify and run your numbers up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Whoa, you just got marketed. Wow. Boom. <laughs> that that is got marketed. Head. That's why we wish we paid Fonte the big bucks. That type mm. of I mean, <laughs> you, you see, he's wearing even... his glasses today. Yeah. I'm just saying. I got, I got my string of bell glasses <laughs> on. He's smarty today. Smarty, <laughs> you want to run my company all day? Right. Hell yeah. And and like yeah, with the with the the special Auburn. I think that's. I don't know if it's my red light or your. Yo. The, no. Y'all are hair? a real family to me because as as family, y'all don't recognize I got my hair done till two months later. That is beautiful, Amir. Thank you. We are family. It is a that that shows you that we're we're real guys because yes. guys don't recognize. We don't notice none of that <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. that. We notice if you shit. cut it. Like if you cut it, I'll notice. Oh, you cut you cut your hair, but a new mm-hmm. style. Two I mean, months. Yeah. yeah. Two months. Nope. Two months. Cool. Just saying, this is what can I just say before we get into it? I just wanted to also big up to, to LA because we got a big decision to make today. I know this is gonna come out later, but Newsome, Newsome, Newsome. Ain't got time yeah. for this crazy mess. Ain't got time have, for this crazy man. mess. I have faith. I have I'm faith. also running for governor of California. You I see, the list is long right. enough. Hey man, you know. Um, look about our guest today. Without any doubt in my mind, I believe that our guest is the founding member of the first hip hop band wow meaning meaning a unit uh without a direct leader you know no no disrespect to the james brown empire and whatnot and even though technically virginia's own the winstons they're they're a classic single amen brother that interpolation of uh you know curtis mayfield's uh we're a winner which weird enough they never got litigious on but i don't want to open up any can of worms with that even though that's been sampled 5,000 plus times, making that the most sampled single, I'll say that our guest today uh, holds, as leader of this band, uh, holds the dubious honor of having the the, the most sampled catalog by a band um, in music. And I'm not saying in hip hop because that's that's limiting it. Like throughout music, pop artists have sampled yeah, Cool McGee and Soul. Yeah. And, you know, this is name, like Summer Madness has been used billions of times uh nt no title people don't know that nt stands for no title uh name them jungle boogie give it up hollywood swinging uh winter sadness sport with uh lightning rod jungle jazz I mean, uh, jungle what, was a, what was a, what was a whole happy jappy with oh little children little children, oh, little children. One. exactly all the, that like over i believe the precise numbers 1800 samples over songs that have either sold gazillion triple or or just been declared classic uh, but to me, what's more, probably more incredible about the legacy of Cool and the Gang is probably their ability to uh, check the forecast and adjust accordingly throughout the decades. Um, be it like their, their their jazz soul instrumental heavy beginnings with those like uh, the self-titled record and the two live albums that came after it. Yeah, don't more soul. yeah live at PJs and Sex Machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the soul oriented stuff like uh, music and message and good times um, or their funk masterpiece, uh, Wild and Peaceful, uh, Light of the World, Spirit of the Boogie, those records. 
probably one of the finest disco jazz. Uh, I'm sorry. Here's a new word. I, I just figured out an unpaid bill. Uh, I, well, it's not a new word. I did not know what a portamento was. Oh, a combination of they call it jazz music, disco jazz. Anyway, um, in, in the open Sesame record and also their growth into adulthood with uh, Celebrate and, and Ladies Night and, you know, their pop success. Joanna, Joanna, listen, <clears throat> Joanna, <clears throat> Joanna. Yes. In the heart, <laughs> Joanna's album has won something special. The emergency record was like one of their biggest selling albums uh, to this day. Hashtag to this day. Uh, this band continues to still operate and their sound is around forever, be it uh, samples or seeing them real deal live. They still make records and they continue to uh, brighten our lives. And this is a long overdue, overdue <laughs> episode of Questlove Supreme. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, the namesake of one of the greatest bands in music. Robert Cool Bell, Cool in the Gang. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Bow, 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 bow. How are you? How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing fine. Um, Quest, uh, you're, you're a historian when it comes to cooling the gang. <laughs> well, you guys made me. You know, I'm 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 just glad to be in 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 great company. And you know, you guys literally have 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 written the the, the blueprint that you know we we are still following. And you know, it's hard to do that. Like oftentimes, when people look at the story of groups and bands that have been around since the 60s and the 70s. There's there's a point in the 80s in which you kind of have to make life decisions on do you go with the flow? Do you fight it? Do you sabotage it? And you guys probably I'll say that, of course, the, the story of the Jacksons is exemplary. But, you know, you guys, along with the Pointer Sisters, along with Lionel Richie, like the, the transition from making it to the 70s to the 80s was a very hard one that most people. They didn't make it. Yeah, they 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 take it for granted. Like a lot of those, you know, that we loved, they found they found some sort of uh, sustaining power via the the power of sampling. But you know, there was a period in the '80s in which a lot of those bands didn't make it. You guys found a way to really adjust and to silence, as we say, silence the haters that might have had disdain because every record didn't sound like Jungle Boogie and whatnot. But I mean, I, I I personally love, in hindsight, how you guys have done that. And, you know, as a, a member of a black band, that's almost going on in the third decade. I mean, it's, it's exemplary. exemplary. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm gotcha. Bill. exemplary. Um, you know, I also want to note uh, yesterday I got in the mail. Your, I love your also your foray into the, uh, the spirit. Speaking of spirit of the boogie, the spirit world. Um, you have your own champagne called Le Cool. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I like and I'm holding it, even though I, they can't see it at home. I'm showing you guys right now that, you know, Robert Cool Bell has his own. When did you when did you get into cool? Actually, Amir, but all right. <laughs> uh, when when did you when did you first start your uh, kind of your foray into uh, the, the world of, of a fine drink? Well, Amir, what happened was uh, I was on tour about uh, oh, three or four years now. Promoter. Mm -hmm. He came up to me, he said, listen, you know, we had, uh, we was in France and uh, mm -hmm. we had about 20 dates that were sold out and we get ready to do a tour. Of course. He said to me, he said, listen, I'm doing a champagne uh, with the late Barry White and the Barry White lookalike and also one of the uh, Bee Gees at the time. There was a and Barry White lookalike touring Europe? 
Yeah, they had a very wide look like. He would do a supper club dates. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that one. He asked me, uh, he said, uh, uh, would you like to uh, uh, sell champagne on, on your tour and come out with your own champagne? Mm-hmm. So I said, well, listen, um, I don't think that my fans would want to take a bottle of champagne uh, uh, after my show. They want uh, T-shirts and caps and stuff yeah. like that. So I said, listen, I want to get on the shelves. He says, oh? I said, yeah. I'm going to get on the shelves. I ain't talk about no tour. <laughs> no promo <laughs> item? Wow. I came up with this idea and concept with the Leku champagne. Mm-hmm. And uh, up in Rims, where they make Don, Perignon, Cristal, all the big boys up there. You know, we ended up cutting the deal with the Bertolo family. And uh, we worked on this for about a year and a half uh, with the Lecoux champagne. And I, I wanted to have that surprise element, like coming to America, Eddie Murphy, yeah. <laughs> that the mm-hmm. who will come from France to America. And that, that's how I, I got started with that several years ago. And this wow. last year, uh, the one the most successful, but we got hit with pandemic and everything else. So, but uh, right. that's kind of like how it happened. I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that. I, you know that that's 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 a a hard world to break into. So you know, I'm I'm glad that you found a way to get into it because you know it's it's uh this looks this is a classic package here. Well, I'm you. I'm gonna definitely send you a bottle. Uh, unpaid bill. Okay. I always wonder, Amir, the fact that how this country boy from Youngstown, Ohio, break into the cartel. Yeah. Hundred year old families. <laughs> how did you get? You know something. I got to say that on on your on the official Cool in the Gang Instagram page, those those little um, animated vignettes that you guys were doing, telling the history of Yo, the group. Very nice. It's probably one yeah. of the best surprises I've ever seen, because I mean, I've heard the story of the group, but to visually see that it's it's a wonder that you guys even made it to even form a band. Like not even to get to this point where you are as 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 legacy, but just what you guys had to go through just to form a band. For for our listeners that have not heard or seen, um, first of all, I recommend that you guys follow Cool in the Gang and look for these like minute long bits uh, on there. Yeah, they're on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and so on YouTube as yeah. Well, one I want to know: Are you guys going to continue? that series to tell the story of the band that in that manner. Cause I love it. But can you tell us basically your beginnings from where, where you were born to, to what brought you to Jersey to even form the band? Yeah. We, um, uh, that's your first trip. Yeah. We're going to continue that. Um, Beautiful. we stopped, uh, where, where you see right now, of course mm-hmm. I lost my brother, Kelly's, but yes. a lot of the stories about Kelly's himself and also, you know, mm-hmm. and then, uh, we lost DT. DT. Uh, Obviously, that was you know another part of it. But let me go back. Uh, Youngstown, Ohio. We started off as the uh, the Jazziacs. Yes. The name was changed to the Soul Town Band. It was the organization in Jersey City. It was trying to be like Motown, and uh, we became the band. So we would have to learn all these Motown hits and records, and we had about fifteen people on the show and we had to learn all these songs. So we got out of there from the Soul Town band. 
mm-hmm. and we came up with Cooling the Flames. Now, oh. uh, our first manager, father, was working with James Brown. And uh, he said, listen, you can't go with Cooling the Flames because you have James Brown. And the famous and flames, so, yeah. What year was this? Uh, now, that was back in uh, 1963. Okay. Roughly. Mm-hmm. No, 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 it had to be 1965, because 19, we saw it in 64. Okay. And uh, so that's when um, he said, well, you can't use the flames. Because so we said, well, we don't want to have any problems with the Godfather. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just call ourselves Cooling the Gang? The music was a mixture of the jazz and the R&B uh, when we were the Soul Town Band. And that's when um, uh, we formed Cool in the Gang and we came out with our first record on July 3rd, 1969. Okay. One of the most interesting um, elements in telling that story, and I'm sure that a lot of our listeners, especially the younger ones, might not be familiar with. Could you just talk about, speaking of your names, like the gang, um, could you just briefly describe like the the ideals of actual gangs, at least in your territory? Because that was like one of the most interesting aspects. Like you guys were talking about, like the fact that neighborhoods were just overrun with gangs and whatnot. And you guys used music as an escape to not go down that route. But how heavy was gang activity in your formative years, like your teen years and 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 whatnot? Well, I'm trying to make it <laughs> kind of short on that. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're a, we're a, a nerdy deep yeah, take cut your time. show. Take your time. So your you, you don't have to give us the, the truncated answer. Like mm-hmm. we, we like those, those nerdy details. Yeah. Well, what happened was that uh, I moved to uh, uh, Jersey city, my family and I, uh, I noticed that I, uh, my mother sent me to the store to get a loaf of bread at that time it was called Lucy cost 25 cents. And, mm. Two guys walked up to me and said, uh, give me your money. I said, what? Yeah, give me your money. <laughs> so they took the two quarters or whatever. And I had, my, my mother said, well, boy, you better go back and get that quarter. I said, I don't know what these guys are, man. But anyway, so I, I realized that I was going to have to be a part of what was going on, or I was going to have to be the victim what was going on in the streets of Jersey City and Newark, you know, in the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. And um, that was before I changed my name to Cool. My name was uh, Tamango. Tamango? Tamango. <laughs> what was the significance <laughs> of Tamango? Well, what happened was the, that the, the, that movie had Dorothy Dandridge in there. Mm. And the, the slave uh, from Africa, the name was Tamango. Oh, okay. I took on I took on that name, and I end up those two guys. One name was Quino, the other name was Monk, and the other one was Tiger. So I became a part of that gang, and I turned around and I ended up being the leader of that gang. And we had about twenty strong. What? Yeah, how <laughs> so oh, just in the movie and the book that whole story before cooling the game. Damn, and well, so uh, I had to learn the ways, the way of the street at that time. 
So you're saying that you had natural born leader skills that, you know, you've always had your whole life. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my brother kind of kind of pulled me out of that. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, it was getting a little rough out there, and um, I started playing the bass, and uh, we started working uh, in the boys' club, and, uh, you know, and things started changing a little bit. I was going to say this, this is sort of an archetype story where like, where you hear people just randomly say, yeah. And then I started I just, playing piano, Yeah. but like, how long does it take you? Like how, from how, what was your musical IQ before you picked up the bass and how long did it take you before you're confident enough to know I can play in a band or I can be a musician? Well, uh, the late Spike Mickens, uh, his brothers play guitar. I used to come by Spike's house, and I uh, learned how to play one song on one string called Coming Home Baby. And okay. we were working in the cafe well, one night, and Khalees said, man, why don't you come up? Because I was playing kumbas and bongos and stuff. He said, why don't you um, come on up and just play that one song that you know that you learned on that one string? And the guy gave me a bass, I bought the bass, and I played Coming Home Baby. So wait, I'm sorry. Is the question not when did you start playing bass, but when you started playing kungas then? Because then you just threw no, that in there. And that started back in Youngstown, Ohio. Okay. Big paint can. Okay. You know, we can afford bongos. We used to sit up in uh, Youngstown, Ohio, and uh, it was a school called the Immaculate uh, School. And we used to take the paint can, depending on how much paint is left in the bottom of the can, Created whatever tone that you're gonna get, <laughs> yeah. So we played, <laughs> we played paint cans until we came to Jersey, and then my brother finally bought us uh, some bongos. But then wow. to learning this one song, and then I started um, listening to you know uh, different songs, and then Charles Smith used to show me some lines with the bass, and that's when we became a part of the Soul Child Band, and the name Cool. That came about because there was a guy in a neighborhood, and he was a hood, and he uh, <laughs> his name was cool. He spelled it with a C. I got to get out of this thing. I said, I like that name. So I took on the name cool and spelled mine with a K. Not knowing that that was the beginning. It was going to lead up to cool and the gang. Now, did cool ever find out that you were inspired by his name? Because you said he wasn't like, you know. Not, not really. I mean, he was, uh, you know, he was one of those guys in the projects, man. That, oh, but you was a boss. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So were the fellow members of the uh, the original incarnation of the group, were they also gang related as, as well? Like, how did you wind up organizing the band? And also, like, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, I, I understand the finances of the situation in, in, in terms of uh, that, you know, I know it's not profitable for any, you know, band over four members to really make money like that so like how did you incorporate the other members that started at least the first incarnation of the band once they became cool in the game well i mean uh we started as uh, with eight members when we became a uh, cool in the gang mm-hmm. and uh, of course we were all playing you know as the soul town band and the soul town band we were we create and learn the motown hits I mean, I would listen to Bob Jameson, uh, the line that he's playing, you know, uh, uh, for uh, various uh, Motown artists. But none of those guys were from the streets. I was the only one that had to deal with that. Okay, so what were those early shows like? Like, did you still, once you transitioned to music, then, you know, were you able to successfully leave the street world that you're trying to escape from behind? Or do you still have to worry about those things when you're at shows, when you're going to rehearsal, when you're just walking around the neighborhood by yourself? Like, like once you make that transition to a music a musician, does that world still try to suck you in and, and bring you back to it? Or, you know, once you became a musician, everyone respected that. OK, he's a musician now. Like, leave him leave him be. 
Yeah, well, yeah, you had the problems, you know, a little bit, you know, uh, you're playing with with the with this group cool in the game now, whatever. Right. And so, you know, more hardcore guys uh, will create try to create some problems. But uh I I was able to to, to get through that. But okay. that was but uh, uh, yeah, we had that. Oh man, you know, sold out, man. You playing that music stuff, man. <laughs> They saw it as a, a step back, like some you're being a nerd now. You're you're that's how they saw that. They kind of nerd in the music and they was in the streets. Okay. But you know, and I think I think I think uh, for for uh, God for the blood of that because all them guys are all dead. And some of them you know, went to jail and uh, the whole nine yards. So that was a blessing to make it through that during that time. You're right. I'm curious, uh because I'm familiar with their history with, uh, you know, acts like uh, uh, Louis Prima and like Gia Malone. I'm, I'm curious to how you found, you know, like Fred. Uh, well, did you did you have dealings with uh, Fred uh, Vigoroto and Fred uh, Fioto and Ted uh, Simon T- Simon Eddy? I forget their names. I get those guys mixed up with Hugo and Luigi, but. Basically, the the three friends of ours that started uh, Delight Records. Oh. Um, I know that Gene Red was on the staff, but how how did you guys make the transition from local band to let's make a record? Okay, so you talk about the big Doritos, Gabe, and yeah, like can you talk about them and <laughs> how they operated? I've heard stories, but you know, well. There was a, a small Gene Red story. Okay. Uh, he was our manager with Red Coast Records. And then uh, uh, it changed to, we went from Red Coast to Delight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember Mr. V, Fiolo, Freddie, and Mr. V, they, they came down to my house in Jersey City. And uh, they knocked on the door, and my wife. Two guys out there with these Italian-looking guys. <laughs> so Mr. B and uh, they came into the house and said, "Listen, uh, this is how you living." He said, "Listen, um, we have some slight problems with Mr. Red, and uh, we want to bring you guys over to the Light Records." So that that was the really, beginning. and they put a lot of pressure on Mr. Gene Red. I had heard the story like the five heartbeat. They must have hung up out the window one day. So listen, you're gonna give up that's it. Even for the heartbeats. You say red. I, I was I, like, is there a connection? Oh, Gene Red, yeah. 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 I was wondering, I, I was wondering how, you know, if those stories were true. My dad had like minor dealings with with delight. Cause they were also associated with um Pickwick, correct? Pickwick International was the the, the street. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So, I didn't know he was the new involved all them guys. <laughs> I was not I was not involved with those guys. <laughs> but Let me be clear. Yeah. No, it's just that my dad, you know, my dad's a Philadelphian. And you know, after his his forays into all these doo-wop, um, you know, he would do like these little one-off records in the 60s and it's no secret that a lot of the a lot of the Jersey associated labels, a lot of the tri-state areas, mm. local labels were kind of 
mob run, wow. you know, which yeah. even with Sugar Hill, like with with with, uh, you know, with Sylvia and Joey having dealings with like Morris Levy and all those cats, like, you know, it, it was like dealing with the, the Sopranos of the 60s. So <laughs> but I'll I'll add only only because your brother also told me probably probably two of the greatest stories I ever heard of my life on you know i'm always curious on how like classic songs get made and um your brother kind of telling me the story of of delight pressuring you guys to make jungle boogie against your will and mm -hmm. somehow like your your embittered you know embittered sarcastic response to what they wanted wound up being like a massive hit for you guys when you guys hated every step of the way of that. Um, could you could you share that story? Well, Mr. V, as we call him, and Friendly Fiodo. Fiodo. You call him Friendly Fiodo? <laughs> he said, you guys, uh, you guys have uh, been having some territorial hits like in Philadelphia and maybe New York. Yeah. Uh, maybe Connecticut. He said, but um, we want you to work with this, um, I kind of think of this uh, last name was uh, some Douglas. He had had this big hit with Mongo the Bongo. And right. uh, he said, I want you guys to work with this producer. So we met him one time and it wasn't really flowing for us. So we went downtown to a studio called Baggies. And we went in there around eight o'clock in the morning. And we came out of there. We had created Jungle Boogie, Hollywood Swinging, and Funky Stuff. So no more problem from the big readers. But I heard y'all hated it. What did you hate about Jungle Boogie? Well according to your brother yeah. that you know well your brother explained to me that um I guess you know Mongo's World famous hit, uh, Soul Makosa, i.e., Mama Say, Mama Saw, Mama Bump, Boop Saw, Mama Say, you know, it was the, the origins of that song was that it was it was a hit in France and over in Africa. Right. And um, somehow, like bootlegs of the of the record made its way to the States right when disco culture is starting. And that was a very, very popular song. And right. Khalid was basically like, yo. Like, make make your version of this song, mm. and because they were jazz snobs, you know, it'd be like yo Fonte, like yo you you and little brother, y'all cool, y'all little underground okay player stuff, but you know y'all y'all gotta work need with a little Uzi Vert album, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You do a collab, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, you know, brother <laughs> brother Bayon basically said that. You know, they listened to Soul Makosa and it, it felt like uh, just African mumble jumble music. <laughs> like, we don't know this African mumble jumble music. So oh. kind of mocking that song, they made yeah. Jungle Boogie. And the, to me, the, the, the greatest moment, I'll say that my, my all time favorite television show uh, is really prevalent in my life right now. Mm. And there's a, there's there's a really telling moment about what I feel is the moment that Soul Train solidified itself in history.
because, you know, the, the first two years of Soul Train, Don had to lean heavy on his Chicago connections. So a lot of local, you know, favors. Anyone in between Illinois, Ohio, uh, Indiana. So, you know, he, he made friends with the Jackson Fives and the OJs and Curtis Mayfield and the Staples Singers, like all those local acts. But for the most part, you know, Don had to rely on older acts. So cats that, you know, Jackie Wilson's on the show and Clarence Carter's on the show and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. when you guys make your second appearance on Soul Train um, and you debut Jungle Boogie, it is such a magical thing to watch because the first thing that Don Cornelius says when he gets on the stage was, you know, usually, guys, I have time to preview the A side and the B side. So, you know, he thought that you guys were just cool with just funky stuff, which was the single you were promoting. Jungle Boogie was just a throwaway B side. And he's like, I never in my life thought that I could hear anything funkier than funky stuff. And I think I just did. So not only to watch Don's reacts, like the way that I describe listening to Public Enemies Rebel Without a Pause, that's how Don's like, yo, like this is the future of, of dance music. And not only that, the way that it connected, like if it, it's almost like if trap music was playing for younger kids today. Like it's it's the the way that the soul train dancers came to life dancing hmm. to to like that that song really I feel like you guys are the first band to really connect to a younger audience that wasn't you know that saw James Brown as older that saw Motown as older like where's our music of now 1973 74 and that was to me it's just hilarious that you guys according to your brother, like hated that song. But at what point did you feel like, okay, maybe we got something like <laughs> that, that you respected it and it just wasn't a throwaway B-side? Yeah, but, well, you know, when it happened at that time, you know, Funky Step went number one uh, R&B for about mm-hmm. four or five weeks. And, of course, the Jungle Boogie, uh, you know, because my brother was one of the, uh, the key writers of a lot of our music, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day, all the way up to the most right. recent album we had out, which is coming out called The Pursuit of Happiness. Right. And uh, uh, how he dealt with horn lines and how we dealt with with grooves between the bass, the drum, of course, you know, that's the foundation, as you know, that mm-hmm. building a house. So, so me and uh, the drummer, George Baum, myself. Funky George. We used to create that, and then Khalid would always come up with these these horn lines. Because mm. even before that, I mean, we were doing songs like Breeze and Soul, Sea of Tranquility, Funky, uh, Funky Andy, uh, Let the Music Take Your Mind, uh, mm. NT. You know, we were doing all that too before we really, I guess, got really you know, big hits with uh, Jungle Boogie and Hollywood Swinging and Funky Stuff. And uh, we didn't really have singers, more, so you know we have, you know, we have. They call this like chance songs, you know. This is one thing I want to ask about those earlier records. It's it's rare to see uh, like two live albums get released, especially when there's like no greatest hits to promote. But like, what was the ideology behind 
doing the Live at the Sex Machine album and Live at PJ's? Well, Live at PJ's was uh, right around time I remember, uh, I think Gene Red kind of uh, was mm -hmm. around doing, doing the Live at PJ's album. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, of course, uh, 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 Live at the Sex Machine, you know, we spent a lot of time, you know, uh, down at Uptown Theater and uh, we decided to, to try to do a live album. Philadelphia, correct? Yeah. And that, that, what, that is what brought that about. Okay. And uh, that became a pretty popular album. Uh, okay. And that particular theater, we froze that name, so now I'm holding it. <laughs> really? I guess it the music. <laughs> All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess the 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again, the First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances, and the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I, um, another song that's like really uh, seminal favorite for your 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 soul era 
is with uh, Summer Madness from the uh, the Love and Understanding album. Could you, or uh, I guess Light of the Worlds also? You, there's two versions, like people like the the live version and the 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 studio version. What was the what was the um, I guess the 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 basis of that song, and how did you guys know? that it was good enough to release as a single and also with like modern technology, like how open were you guys to the entry of like futuristic synthesizers in music? Cause oftentimes um, a lot of the soul acts that kind of hit their peak in the, the first four years of the seventies, their relationship to the synthesizer with the exception of Stevie wonder is a little shoddy, you know, James Brown kind of, like between James Brown and the Ohio players and especially Johnny guitar Watson, like their, their experiments with synthesizers and moogs sounds awkward at best. It's like the, the odd, the, the sonic oddball out, but you guys, of course, probably again, next to Stevie wonder created one of the most definitive use of, of, of the synthesizer in soul and funk music, especially with summer madness. That's that sound. Um, that's a, that's the sense of synthesizer. That yeah. Drum. Okay. All right. So, I'll how did that come into play? Mike Micken had wrote a song called "You Don't Have to Change." Yes, it's one of my favorites. the vamp, a Spike song. My brother was in the studio like till four or five in the morning. He would listen to that. And he had just got his his art uh, synthesizer. Mm-hmm. And he, listened, he said, that's another song at the end. So he ended up doing the synthesizer solo on the van. Wow. And we asked Spike, what do you want to call it? Spike, oh, I call it something bad. I don't know, it happened in the summertime. Too. <laughs> wow. You serious? How oh, the best titles. Well, know that that Southern Madness was going to become the type of record that it became. There's a DJ, I think it's Rodney, Rodney, uh, Rodney Jones in Chicago. And uh, Rodney Jones, I believe it was. E. And, Rodney Jones. Yeah. So he played Spirit of the Boogie. Right. So he was playing the record. And then he turned it over. And we had Summer Madness as the B side. He said, I'm gonna play. He played Summer Madness, and everybody was calling up. Who is this? Oh man, I don't know. that's uh, Herbie Hancock. Well, that's uh, <laughs> right. Different jazz artists. Right. No, oh, this school in the game. <laughs> Damn. So people, Jungle Boogie, the spirit of the boogie, and then flipped to a Summer Madness. It was like, wow. Plus in Chicago, later on, everybody was stepping off some of that. Really? You can step to that song? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That simple. Yeah. Yeah. You step to that. Is that mm-hmm. the most simple Cool in the Gang song? It was in the movie with Rocky. When he gets up, he gets thrown out for giving him that fight. They put right. some of that on, on, on the couch. One of he's going to get his butt wood. <laughs> Wait, can I ask you a question about that soundtrack? Were you guys a little miffed at Bill, Con- like as as a person who works on a late night sh- television show and, you know, does commercials as well. I'm very familiar when when the uh, the producer or the director of the show 
goes to you as the score and says, hey, give me a sound to like like this song. And on, you know, on the Rocky soundtrack, they they do uh, not go in the distance, uh, not going the distance, but um, the other Bill Conti song. There's like a there's like a, a summer alone madness. in the ring. Oh, I was not alone in the ring. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there's there's a, a summer madness bite that um, <laughs> I <laughs> always wanted to know, like, did your people ever call those people like, yo, like. That's our song. That's plagiarism. I always wanted to know, was it was it? Did you guys ever have a situation? Ah, I got to find the song now. Yes, it's called You Take My Heart Away. But there's a part like literally it's built like Summer Madness with the, the synth line and the roads at the beginning. And oh, Amir, you making beef. I'm sorry. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> cool over there. Like, now what you say now? Uh, play it again. No, but that's what that's what like film scorers do. Like half the time they can't clear the songs. So it's like, let me make my own. Let me take All the day. Rubik's Cube and mix it up. And then voila, it's my version of it. But yeah. Yeah, that yeah. one. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how that one went down. I think at the time, yeah, the bigger readers were still involved. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, Never mind. <laughs> of, uh, of 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 light worlds, open sesame, in the Saturday Night Fever movie. Now, yeah, you know, Columbia Records, you know, uh, cut that deal, and we didn't mm. uh, have any idea that. Open Sesame was going to become such a big record, and then uh, on the Saturday Night Fever album, which was the biggest album until Michael Jackson came and knocked it out of the box with Thriller. Yeah, it was what over twenty million records. John Travolta was out there on the floor doing this thing on Summer Madness. I mean, on uh, Open Sesame. Open Sesame, yeah, yeah. So with with that period of of the group, well, one I want to know. When when Saturday Night Fever won the Grammy for Album of the Year, did each individual act on that soundtrack actually get a Grammy, or did it just go to, you know, the the head of RSO Records and that sort of thing? Like, did you? Because I saw like you all, not not since like the Bodyguard have I seen so many people on stage accepting. Uh, and a, a Grammy for album of the year. Like it was, it was literally like almost 50 people on stage between you guys, the tramps, Tavares, the BGs also like you all accepted it, but did you all get your individual like Grammys for it for Saturday night fever? Is that, that just go to the, the head of the label. Uh, we all, we all each group got their own uh, Grammy. Yeah. Ah, yeah. okay. Cool. Cool. Could you talk about the transition to disco? Because I mean, that marks your your third phase. And, you know, how hard is it to to make that transition? Actually, my one of my favorite all time Cool in the Gang songs is um, the opener on side two, which is uh, Whisper Softly. Yes. Oh, I yeah. whisper you love me. Yeah. <laughs> Dog. Like, yeah. Like to me, like, again, the sign of, of a good band and a good catalog really in my eyes is never the single it's like what the filler is on the album and for me like i i know there was there was indifference with your older fans as far as like you guys switching and changing up on them but how easy was that transition 
into disco because it wasn't mindless disco. Like you guys were, your brother was explaining that in his mind, he wanted all the horn lines to be sort of where Coltrane was going, like with using these Eastern scales and Eastern chords that your average disco unit wasn't thinking. Like he thought that everything else was pedestrian. He was like going to make real intelligent. Like if you look at the chord structures and, and the horn charts of Open Sesame, that's one of the hardest songs to do if you're a horn player. So like as as a band or like who's are you and him sort of having like these these talks together about how how to keep the band intelligent and still stay with the times without like compromising the music? Well, the way that we kind of slipped into um, out of the 70s, 70s into the 80s, we were out on tour with the Jackson Five. Okay. Dick Griffey, the promoter, was sold out records. Dick Griffey. And Dick came up to us. He said, listen, you guys are doing okay on the tour. He said, but um, I think you need a lead singer. And we said, we do. So we thought about it. And we said, okay, yeah, Earth, Wind, and Fire has Phil Bailey and Maurice White. Commodores, Lionel Richie. And um, they were burning disco records in Chicago talking about disco sucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that whole sort of thing was going on. So we decided to uh, take uh, Dick's advice and get a lead singer. Uh, James uh, J.T. Taylor was working on a studio in uh, Jersey. West Orange called the House of Music, and mm. auditioned him and no one else. So my brother said, hey, "Okay," he said, "Sing to these chords, sing to these chords, sing a little jazz, sing a little pop." And when he finished, my brother said, "You know, you sound like a Nat King Cole." <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. I would have. that kid cold. Yeah. But, but on the other hand, my brother, because he was, uh, you know, one of the key writers, he said, You got the job. And Yamir Diodalo was in uh, the studio producing his record. And uh, we oh, so a deal. You're saying that Amir Diodato was trying to produce James as a solo act at the time when you oh, met him? They were just happened uh, to be in the same studio. Okay. Okay. But, Diodalo heard what we were trying to do. Of course, you know, Mr. V, they pulled Diodalo in and listen, you know, to become a part of that, become the producer for that album. And that's when we moved on to um, into the 80s with a lead singer. Okay. And one of the things that Diodalo told us, he said, listen, now, um, you, um, you got to make room for the lead singer because... <laughs> Horns were like our lead singers. You know, we right, had yeah. no lead singer. But, uh, so he said, you got to open these tracks up a little bit. And uh, ladies' night, you hear the horns instead of doing, playing all the way through, you Yeah. It's cool, but also to introduce, to introduce a lead singer. Oh, ladies' night introduced JT. Yeah. Oh man, and that broke that record in New York. Now, my wife and I used to hang out, hang out in New York, uh, right. Studio 54 oh. regime. Mm -hmm. and 
we know that every Friday night there was a ladies' night. So I went back to the guys, you know what? We should call this song Ladies' Night. Something that was being created by George Brown and my brother. And the rest was history. Like I said, Frankie Crocker broke that record. And yeah, why yes, do men did. write the best female anthems? What is this? Amen. We know y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I just... Wait, your your brother, as I said at the, at the top of the show, your brother told me two of the greatest stories, the most two of the most unlikely stories of your hits. I'm asking. And, and at the top of the show, I, I said that your brother told me two of the greatest stories I've ever heard about how an unlikely hit got created. The, the way that he told the story almost made me feel like he did it by himself. Did he ever tell you the story of how he got the inspiration to make Celebration? Well, after Ladies Night, right. we have won two American Music Awards. Uh-huh. And the vamp of Ladies Night was this is your night tonight. Come on, let's all celebrate. So my brother said, hmm, there's something in that. So right. we got back to Jersey, and he said, he started playing this track. It, it had that kind of down-home type of vibe with grandma and grandpa sitting in there somewhere <laughs> in Birmingham, Alabama, drinking some Kool-Aid. <laughs> back on the rocking chair, and he played that track. And we said, then he had that whole country Yahoo in there. Right. And we didn't know that. <laughs> country <laughs> Yahoo. I never thought about it like that. Me, right. Same here. The way he's describing it, I'm like, that's exactly yes. what that was. But it is. In the context of it, it doesn't sound like that. You don't mm. associate it with like country kind of whatever. Right. <laughs> that record, you know, to the day, it's just the one we can't go back and do, make another celebration. Never. No, that, that's a one in a, a, a hundred. But wait, he told me something that he said he never shared with the world. Wait, can I can I tell the story of how he came up with that groove? It's it's one of my favorite stories of all time. So your brother tells me that he's in Los Angeles attending uh, a Rick James and Prince Joe. Mm -hmm. And Prince is opening. And he told your brother told me that he's familiar with the venue that um that they're playing in and so he's seeing prince he heard about prince but this is the first time that he's seeing prince and he didn't have his records and this is right when i want to be your lover just started to get red hot and so he told me that he was so impressed with i want to be your lover he's like yo that during intermission during changeover between prince and rick james I don't know who he's with at the time, but he said, I'll be right back. I, I got to run backstage real quick because, you know, some some of those venues, some of those like shed venues might have like a piano in the dressing room, that, that sort of thing. And so he runs backstage and he starts playing or analyzing the chords that Prince used for I Want to Be a Lover. And he writes the chords down and he puts it in his pocket. Wow. So he goes, he goes, he goes back to his seat. He enjoys the rest of the show. He says the next day he buys the 45 to I want to be a lover. Listens to it some more. Dun, 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 dun. He gets the piece of paper that was in his pocket from the night before. And he looks at the chords and was like, let me try this backwards. So he notates the rhythm. Dun, 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 d
dun, and he looks at the notes, does it backwards, and he plays. So it's he literally just inversed. He inversed the chords of I want to be a lover rhythmically and it's celebration. But then on top of that, he was like, I need a good bridge. And then he he goes over to Billboard and looks at the pop charts. Wow. And he notices that Michael Jackson's Rock With You is is he's like, I looked at the top five and figured which one of these songs like represents where it look like represents me, like which which one would I be involved with? And it was like the Eagles. I can't tell you why or some other stuff, whatever. And he saw rock with you. And if you listen to the chords, he's like, I just took the, the, the verse of rock with you. So the whole boom, it's time to come together. Mm-hmm. It's been Girl, it's, that's basically <laughs> give to you, mm-hmm. everyone around like and that's how he crafted. <laughs> I love this show for these moments. That's called good songwriting. Shit. <laughs> Listen. Yo, man. I mean, I, come on. My mind, like literally when he 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 told me that story, he came to, uh, my, the first year I was teaching NYU. He came to my class because he's good friends with Harry Wagner. And when he told me that story. Then I that night I called my manager and said, yo, man, I got I heard the greatest story of my life. I need a bigger platform. And literally, like, that story Aww, is what Damn. made me want to start Quest Love Supreme. Like, when I heard mm. that, like, I need a podcast. Like, the world doesn't know that story. And, mm. you know, can you Five talk about... Later. Yeah, can you can you talk about your brother and just his creativity? Like, like can you explain between the three of you oh. and your musical sort of triangle? Like, how, how did that work? Well, I mean, uh, that, that story that you, uh, that you just told about uh, Celebration, yeah. He definitely, you know, that's what he did. Mm-hmm. I learned about it later, but when you listen to it, yeah, okay, you can hear that he reversed the song. And Prince used to open up for us when he first started. And Prince really? used to come home and he'd set up the drums and he'd do everything. He'd go to the monitor and uh, <laughs> he would do everything. <laughs> There's something about that guy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> wow. You feel like the P Funk mom. But that's what uh, my brother used to do. He used to, um, he studied the music. And one of the things that my mother uh, to tell him, he said, you, uh, you have to do for a great song a simple melody that mm-hmm. people know. So he thought about that. So Hollywood swing, da 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 Really? Yeah. It's all about the melody and the simplicity of it was about the melody. Yeah. Yeah. Gamble said soul train, love train. Some of the things are kind of similar. Right. Right. (laughs) Okay. Oh, damn. You're melodically simple. Yeah. You're, you're, damn. You're right. This is the first time in five years. Score. Sorry. You you dropped some gems on us. Stop playing. (laughs) There's been a few. That was, uh, that was Khalees. 
That was Khalees. The very songs and uh, ideas we came up with. I mean, Whisper Softly, that was another one, you right. know, that you like that he did. And uh, I love that one, man. Little yeah. Children is another favorite of mine, too. I love that one. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I, I did want to know the, the 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 KG's album was that really you guys and then just letting them have the tag like were you guys the were you guys the, the actual was band? My joint. <laughs> <laughs> well it was um my brother Amir uh-huh. but uh was uh, writing a lot, a lot of the hard tracks on that so that wasn't you on bass cuz you have a very distinct bass playing style on those records well i didn't know how to play on none of the kg's records okay okay but the, but the horns and all that was um it was the uh, kelly's uh and then of course the guitar parts and all that was amir my brother mm-hmm. amir during this period in which 
first of all, like how how are you guys feeling in terms of you know this period between 1979 and 1985? Mm-hmm. You guys are about to really have a rebirth. The the kind of moment you've been waiting for. Like, did you even expect? this type of reaction from a whole new audience whole that new generation yeah and i you know again i know that you know there's there's always been this debate of like well it's not like their earlier material whatever but i mean how are you how are you guys mentally handling that like still having massive pop success but you know the occasional scoff of you know a music critic that only believes in like your earlier material and, you know, might be crying sellout or whatever. Like, is that bothering you guys at all? Well, um, well, we were, we were surprised and impressed the fact that we uh, came throughout the 79 and then we added the lead singer and then the, the type of songs that, uh, that we, we, that became successful, you know, uh, like, uh, got get down on it or mm-hmm. you know, fresh and, uh, cherish, misled which had mm-hmm. a sort of a rock vibe to it you know right so we just continued to grow in the 80s you know and everybody accepted it even your peers because even you know it reminds me of like talking to m2 may and him talking about how like jazz purists scoffed at him when he came out with juicy juicy right yeah like even your peers they were riding with your evolution like this is what cool in the gang does they they evolve yeah well that's uh uh, it started happening. I mean, uh, through through the '80s and the '90s, and of course, um, JT left the band, and we had to continue to move on uh, to the you know uh, new millennium. And we just continued to grow and, and continue to work other markets. I mean, we started going everywhere. We went behind Iron Curtain. We were doing uh, Romania, Slovakia, mm-hmm. all. Uh, through Europe, Australia, uh, through Africa. Right. Almost 10 years just developing and playing the hits that everybody uh, uh, loved and then was uh, you know happy to see us. This is a market we probably would never, never went there. Right. And it just continued to build, become a part of the Cooling Gang experience all the way up until today. A, um, a question I always wanted to know the answer to. With the exception of Jody Watley, whom, okay, I understand she was living there at the time. But how was Cool in the Gang chosen as the lone American act to appear on uh, Band-Aids, Do They Know It's Christmas? Well, we were, um, we were on tour in, uh, in England at the time. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they told us that uh, there was a, doing a, a song for uh, Ethiopia, mm-hmm. uh, Salvation, Ethiopia, the drought. And um, they asked, what, did we like to be a part of that? Uh, Bel- Bob Geldof uh, was the one who put the whole project together. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, well, sure, we would definitely like to be a part of that project. And uh, we got up that morning and went down and, and joined all these rock groups and to become a part of that. I mean, because it was, I mean, you're talking about Ethiopia. It was a blessing to be a part of that. Right. Right. We were the only band that was a part of that. Can I ask a hip hop song? I, I just want to know, cool, since it, am I wrong? You guys are 
Summertime was the first hip hop song to sample Summer Madness, right? Kind of, uh, or before. what the po- Okay. But I mean, one that took it to the one that, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> right. so I'm I'm curious. Cole, nah, how, it wasn't the first though. It but it was the most successful. But I'm curious how y'all made that decision and how, were y'all always open to hip hop sampling the music? At that time, I believe it was um, the the record company again uh, with with that song, and mm-hmm. they wanted uh, Will Smith uh, and Jazzy Jeff. Um, they played the whole track. It wasn't like a sample. They, they did the whole thing on top of the sound. True. Uh, the uh, track. True. True. It came up summertime, yeah. which was a very, very big record, you know, for him. He went from there to into the movies. Right. But <laughs> did you always? Did you always? Know, were you guys always open to that? Like, yeah, just take our song and rap over it. It's no problem. Well, it all depends. Back in the day, the early, um, there was a lot of sampling going on. Mm-hmm. And, they had somebody out on sample patrol. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but what happened was when they actually uh, uh, in Washington, uh, they made the rule that anybody sampling records had to get um, sample clearance from mm-hmm. the record company. And if they didn't do that, then you know, the record company would have a problem. Lazy song, we had to get clearance uh, from the record company. And you but were cool. Did you but you surely you knew the difference and I'm sure you appreciate to this day the fact that there's a whole new generation. I mean, yes, I grew up in a household that played cool in the gang on the regular, but definitely by the time you know the a tribe called Quest come around and like sort of that that renaissance period between 91 and 2001, I'm not, you know, even you know, I'm I'm certain that Mace doing feels so good has done a lot of good business. for yeah, a lot of business for people even knowing what Hollywood swinging is that probably wouldn't have known it had Mace not used it. You know what I mean? Or even let me clear my throat or that sort of thing. So, you know, I'm I'm certain now that you know, I, I would like to think that you guys were like sort of grateful that that happened that your you know your catalog gets gets used mm-hmm. and used and that way these songs t- uh turn timeless has has there ever been a, a, a situation in which you guys rejected a sample clearance no not really a lot of times uh, between uh Warner chapel and they replaced the song and uh various artists and uh Mm-hmm. Not really at that time. Before that, before that, we had a sample clearance. You know, okay. we had record company clearance, and that was uh, it was like all over the place. You know, a lot of songs were probably done back then. We know about, you know? right? Yeah. So here's the fact that I don't think uh, many people know about the group past the JT period, which is that um, you guys made a curious replacement. Of of uh, James J T Taylor, with none with none other than uh, Skip Martin, who was the lead singer of the Daz Band, and I don't think people even knew that. Mm-mm. You know, after the Stone Love and Victory period, I, I guess uh, the the uh, the last uh, J T record, which was I, I believe eighty five eighty six, that Skip Martin. Formerly the 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 lead singer of uh, the Daz Band became you guys' new lead singer. 
could you explain the situation that caused because I never knew why JT left the group or even if he's active today singing. Yeah, like, it's a good question. Is is he still singing today? Are you guys amicable? Have you spoken? Like, what's the status between you guys? Yeah, I mean, we um, have spoken to uh, JT uh, from, from time to time. Uh, JT had problems with management and have you know and people uh suggested that uh you know he kind of do his own thing you're the and, group uh, okay i get that tap song they go out and do their own thing you know mm-hmm. i i kind of thought that okay if you have that problem uh if you want to do an album you can still stay in the family right that's smart I did you know uh lead singer drummer for genesis uh name again Phil Collins so he could have done that but he chose you know to do it the way he wanted to do it at the time right and we got back together in 1995 and we did uh, an album together he came back Uh, sure I was I was not aware of that okay five more years he's speaking about Prince well in 1999 he left Mm -hmm. again (laughs) <laughs> oh, so, but jt still around making music then doing his own thing I mean, he, yeah he's been doing some things yeah okay yeah, he, um, i just remember the tap song <laughs> so yeah the john way to regina bell yes yeah. i wonder i was curious to know cool about your about two years ago by, you, by the way <laughs> no nah, that was the jam that was the jam. Gregory love for so uh about two years ago your niece jenna she did a show here in Durham, uh, where North Carolina and I, we met and we ended up talking and hanging. And um, she was just, you know, we talked music and everything. And she was like super cool. Um, I was just curious to know, do you have any other first? What was your connection with her or you know, how was you guys relationship? And also, do you have any other like family members, uh, nieces, nephews, you know, kids, whatever that are making music now? Not right now, but Kalisa Sam Rashid. Rashid. Rashid, yeah, yeah. He used to be my label mate. Yeah, Rashid. Yeah, a whole different kind of approach. That's what he was doing to the music. Nah, I like I liked his album. That was called Prototype. I had that album. Uh, it was dope. Very creative in his own way. Of course, Khalif was following. So. But he wanted to go totally, if you listen to that album, totally different direction than what Khalif was doing. Yeah. Yeah, Sheree was much on that album. That was dope. On the hip-hop side, he's a DJ and he uh, he has a he goes by the name of Prince Hakeem. Okay. And he had a song called Royalty, him and Walt, and another song called uh, Sexy. As a matter of fact, he has one out now. You okay. know, so impressive. It's the name is the one he has out right now. Turns the family members out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with with the uh, uh, the unfortunate departure of, of, of brother DT and your brother. How will that affect the future of the group where it is now, as far as the the, the band is concerned? Well, um, the album that we have out now, which is called The Perfect Union. Yes. I was singing single, Pursuit of Happiness, which my brother wrote, 90% of that. That's something that we will be doing in the future in the future and depending on the, the uh, success of the album. But there was uh, always different guys coming in 
uh, over the last uh, 10, 15 years. Different horn players, you know. Mm -hmm. We got Skip Martin, and uh, uh, another guy named Ravi who played well with uh, uh, one of the big bands, along with that when Clifford Adams played, and, and these bands. We have several horn players that played when Khalid ODT wasn't uh, on on the road with us at right. the field end. So hello was, I guess you say the gang. <laughs> From the other game to the music game, we got quite a few guys coming in and out. Right. You know. Actually, one one of those cats are um, is Tuba, Tuba's brother. Um, he plays with you guys. My my sousaphone player. He comes from. Oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We talk. We talk about uh, Jermaine. Yeah, Jermaine. Uh, On trombone. Yeah, plays trombone with you guys right now. Yeah. That's a connection. That's dope. Y'all share family. We're prepared to keep moving on forward, you know, as we say, inshallah, God willing, you know. Right now, we you know, we, like everybody else, uh, for a year and a half, we really haven't been played that many shows, but uh, hopefully in uh, uh, 2022, the doors will, will open up again. Because we, um, I guess we have been blessed to play with all different type of groups. Uh, we did 48 shows with uh, Van Halen. Van Halen. What was wow. that like? Wow. Yes, I saw Pony King and Van Halen at Master Square Garden. I don't understand. But it made sense. What was yeah, that like yeah. for you guys? Yeah, so I mean, we, uh, we, we're we going to continue uh, to do that. We started to do a lot of, of this orchestra stuff. We played for the uh, 4th of July, uh, the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra for mm -hmm. the 4th of July. We've played with the orchestra up in Salt Lake City, 60 piece. So we're doing, I call it classic evenings with Cool in the Gang. I love that. I want to go to a show. When y'all doing the bowl? <laughs> they did it first. Oh, yeah. dang. You just yeah. missed it. I watched it on Instagram. Yeah. But it's, uh, I guess the interesting thing is that these uh, these orchestras mm -hmm. and seeing how these guys interpret uh, uh, play our music. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have fun, you know, with strings and cellos and like a challenge, but it's something that they like. It was like, hey, man, I'm right. like, we got the funky orchestra. Who has the funkiest orchestra? It's all been good. And um, with the um, pursuit of happiness, Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's called Pursuit of Happiness, World Peace. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of treating that song as, as a movement. What okay. I mean by that, that, uh, you know, uh, what's going on today with the COVID and all the other things that's happening. And uh, uh, my brother has insight to call it perfect union. Mm -hmm. and, um, Shoot, what would be a perfect union now? This is going to happen in our lifetime, but to see that the Democrats and the Republicans come together as a perfect Ooh. union. Oh, Lord, child. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> a man can dream. Yeah. They have the album in Washington and the whole pursuit of happiness. Plus, um, I've been spending time in and out of Africa, and uh, they talk about me becoming a part of the AU. Of the 52 African nations. Wow. What, what, what countries have you been going to, Cool? Well, we're talking about, I just did some in Zimbabwe. I've uh -huh. been to 
Hey. Kenya, Angola, um, uh, Joburg. Uh, I've been to mostly all of them. But um, the whole thing is making the transits and the movement now, dealing with the perfect union ah. and the pursuit of happiness. Okay. That was one of my, my brother's uh, uh, dreams uh, when he put this album together. I kind of took it a little further to world peace because it's just about world peace. And uh, I have yeah. a saying, though, uh, I guess our last president said, make America great again. I said, what about making the world cool again? Whatever happened? Mm, a start. Can we just start? Things have added to me. But whatever happened to the world? How could we get back make the world cool crack. again? There you go. Amen. You've been doing that before message wow. music was even in vogue like especially with like you know on those cuts on like uh on wild and peaceful where he has the conversation with uh as one yes we're scientists of sound we're right right putting it down <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> having at once yes my brother why he was the one he was a little how old was kid. he then yeah they cool what do you think about the world today you know yeah that was your little brother why he yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, this is. I'm just. I'm just getting to understand. So y'all are really a South Jersey family as well. Like y'all are y'all everybody Muslim and whatnot too. I heard Hakeem. I heard a couple of like names. Well, no, no everybody was Muslim. It's just okay. not, you know yeah. Arabic name. Just Arabic name, South Jersey, Philly stuff. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the beard, the name. That's all we need. That's all we and no pork. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know. Hey, I'm Laia. I'm with I'm, you. I'm coming back home. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back home. Impossible right. Pork's coming out in uh, 2022. No, we don't need no Impossible Pork. Don't put that yeah. out there. Dog, trust me. Sausage is one point. Yeah. <laughs> hey. God, am I hawking products on this, on this program? <laughs> it ain't. So, I think that's the whole purpose of this program is to it's hawk true. products. Hawk products right? We did it in the beginning of the show. Remember Music History? It's coming out soon. So. Yes. Okay. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. 
you can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I just personally want to know for you with all these iconic songs that you've done, like what is your, what are your three personal favorite? This is my last question for you, but what are, what are your three personal favorite songs that, that you've done in your catalog? That's kind of a rough one. The, the Summer Man is definitely one. Mm-hmm. Hollywood Swinger. Okay. Mm. Okay. Another. And uh, of course, uh, celebration. Now, Hollywood swinging is all about when we first was going out to Hollywood. And again, Frankie Crocker, Frankie Hollywood Crocker, mm-hmm. he broke that record in New York along yes. with Ladies Night. Can I ask you a capitalistic question before we go? <laughs> if you were to stop doing music right now and no other music existed, could you tell us what Cool in the Gang song could feed you for life? If I was to stop doing music? Yes. Like if you were to stop doing music and didn't care about any other songs, records or whatever, what's the Cool in the Gang song that could pro- has been feeding and will feed you for life? Oh, well... <laughs> that's that's celebration. Celebration. I, was <laughs> celebration. Yeah. I, mean, I wasn't hey, sure. It's so many. Hey, cool. Um, we uh, uh, the, 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 is, is even uh, they gonna do a whole big thing? I think TikTok, whatever that company. Oh, something. get it, cool, get it. Right now and some of Madness is. I mean, you got. I mean, Will Smith. I mean, the, the movie, <laughs> uh, Rocky, and yeah. Uh, even uh, what's my man, LeBron James did a. Summer Madness, he's up on dumping, diving into the swimming pool with Summer Madness. Summer Madness is just well, it might summer. be Summer Madness. See, not summer celebration. It might be summer. No, madness. it's definitely celebration. Okay, yeah. right. celebration <laughs> ain't never going to die <laughs> ever. Go ahead, go ahead, yeah, bar mitzvah. Yeah, hey, cool. The, the DJ played celebration at my bar mitzvah in 1983. Did you ever get paid for that? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, and mine in 1983. Same thing. Yeah. No, that, that's yeah Wait a minute. Place. I will ask, have you guys oh. ever done celebration at a wedding or at a bar mitzvah? Ask yeah. cool in the game. Yeah. <laughs> and what is that rate? I'm stealing my capitalist bag. Yeah, I'm just right. <laughs> how do I get that at my next a, a heavy price? <laughs> I want to leave on this note. Oh, when uh, 
Super Bowl game. It was the Steelers. And uh, who was it in that Super Bowl? That was a group. Uh, in 1980. Were they playing the Cowboys? I'm not certain. Uh, I'm so mad. I know it was Calm the Steelers. It well, like look it up, Steve. Uh, Bill? And the Steelers won. That was that one, and the Steelers won by that one touchdown. Okay. In the last few minutes of the game. So we were scheduled to play for the Cardinals, whatever that team was. Anyway, and the only came to us and said, Will you guys please don't play celebration? You serious? 2009 <laughs> against the Cardinals. We didn't play celebration. <laughs> you did not play game. celebration because they lost that game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, then, ladies' night it is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, I want to thank you guys for the support of me. I man, you're just you're a whiz, man. You, you know, you ask me questions that I have to remember again. So, <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, I'm you know. I'm I'm just your legacy. Wait, Fonte, did you have one last question? Oh, I was yeah, I had a question about Fruit Man. Was that song is that a reference to the fruit of Islam? Oh, but Ricky West wrote that song. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. It was um, yeah, we, we just came up with different ideas and concepts. You remember back, you know, in the day, the Fruit Man come by the truck and you want to get some watermelon or pineapple. Uh-huh. Yes. Wow. Yeah, okay. But good try. So about that. <laughs> I, re- nah, I thought I heard that. I've really never heard or read that it's song. The fruit I didn't know. Like but... a bean. We had this conversation before and y'all was laughing at me and called me old. And I'm trying to explain to y'all between at least the fruit, the fruit and the fish man were the same dude on my grandma's block. I remember the fish man. We didn't have a fruit man. We had a fish man. <laughs> see, well, you see the look on Lion's face right now. I don't, I don't believe you. I think you're talking about your auntie down south, not in Philly. The fish yes, man. Yes, in Philly. Okay. Yes, like just like that. Just like Mister Softy comes by every, you know, every four thirty on, you know, on his route. However, I will say the watermelon man is still a very real thing in a lot of different cities. Yeah, but for Southwest Philly, like the fish man would just. You know, the back of his truck would be like a whole bunch of ice and a whole bunch of fish. He'd just go up and down each block, sell mackerel, porgies, like different types of fish. And then the next day, he'd come back, same truck, clean, right, maybe. and have vegetables. Next day, fruit. Like, they would take fruit to the hood. Like, that's the thing I that's miss. Dope. That's dope, though. What? Having the fruit yeah. man deliver. You know, now we got to go to the suburbs to get the good fruit. <laughs> Bill from- said, what? You want to trade your life with What'd you say, Long, Bill? Long Island didn't have any man in a car. We had to go to the store. Yeah. Hey, man. It, it was different in my That's because y'all had stores. It was yeah, called, store stores, your neighborhood. It was called yeah. food deserts. Sweet. Oh, we getting to know each other. America. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Brother Cool, I want to thank you personally for you know your legacy and, and sharing your story with us. Yes. Um, don't forget to support Le Cool. You know, yes. the new album. Send me a bottle. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jenna said that her, she was like, she was like, yeah, my stepmom loves that. So I was like, right, I got to get some. I'm going to go buy oh, some. That Lecou? Okay. Is that my little Yeah, the Lecou. Yeah. Okay. We drinking right. on some Lecou. All right. Yes. Let's do it. So we got the rosé for the late days. 
Oh, yeah, it is. well, that's all you had to say. Oh, so ladies right. Night Rose. Okay. <laughs> ladies right. Night Rose. So Rose Lady. Okay. Come uh, on, Mark. That stereotype. I do like yeah. Rose. That's need, fine. We got Quest Love Marketing Supreme. Shit. There you go. There you go. On behalf of Unpaid Bill, Laia, Particular, Sugar Steve, Fine and God, and the great Robert Bell. My name is Quest Love. This is Quest Love Supreme. We'll see you on the next go round, y'all. See you. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte. Make sure you keep up with us on Instagram at QLS and let us know what you think and who should be next to sit down with us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. All right. Peace. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy, yeah. right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.